0: To build the right org and to build a TA machine, you put the work in in the front end. If you do that the right way, then you're gonna have a much more successful outcome. So for me, it's a couple of things. It's really having conversations around org design, around role design, and I talk about roles, jobs, as what are we hiring this person to deliver instead of what are the things they will do each day? That's fine, that's how they'll get there, but what are the outcomes that we really wanna see from people?
1: Hey, this is Gareth Webb, and you're listening to Breakout, a show that cuts through the hiring noise. Here, you'll get an unfiltered view on what early and growth stage companies are doing so that you can take their best practices, processes, and frameworks, and implement them to help you build teams more confidently. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. It's uh, Gareth here at Breakout, the podcast by OutScout. I'm joined today by Jen Gardner, who is VP of people at CharterUp. It's a business I'm sure most won't have heard of, although kind of had a meteoric rise recently in terms of its performance and market share. I will not take up the time to introduce. I'll pass that over to you, Jen. So welcome to the show. First of all, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. Do you want
1: to give our listeners an intro to yourself and charter up, give everybody a lay of the land?
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Gareth. Super excited to chat. I always love our chats whenever we get together. (laughs) So yeah, so Jen Gardner, I've been working in the people space for 15 years, over 15 years. I've been with CharterUp as VP of people for the past six months. CharterUp is a marketplace for bus charters. So based out of Atlanta, but with Hub in Austin and remote first for the most part. Huge focus on TA. Over the past six months, talent acquisition, as we are, as you mentioned, in kind of hyper growth mode right now. So that's how we got to know each other. Prior to charter up, I was, uh, I spent two years as CPO at June, which is a global prop tech marketplace as well. So also built out the people function there, grew the team through the hyper growth, growth phase of the business. Part of that was a senior director of talent at Casper, the, the company that disrupted the mattress industry. And then before kind of startup and disruptor marketplace days, really grew up in kind of large public commercial organizations. It's where I really learned kind of the ropes of people and talent. And so very excited to chat today.
1: Yeah. Saying you're in hypergrowth mode in 2023 is kind of a weird thing to hear. And it's a very nice thing to hear. Yeah. Tell to me this is wild like before we go into the people side of the conversation so you know we talked to founders we talked to all folks at the exec level people or like functional leaders it was wild to me when we first got introduced to charter up that i was like how's this not a thing which is always the the aha moment with a good business like well what who what uber did not do this why did they not do it lyft did not do this why did they not do it they obviously had the technology available just not the customer understanding so can you tell people what that means like char- the, the bus chartering because i think for a lot of people like, how is there a big tech play there like what 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 is the deal with the product
0: yeah absolutely so that was one of the things that drew me to charter up as well i um i have a joke with armir our ceo that i stalked him until he would get on the phone with me and 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 give me a job because i i found charter up as an as an organization as a company because i love a company that is disrupting an industry with technology. And, you know, if you think about the bus industry or charter buses or shuttles, company shuttles, things like this, you don't think about really kind of any kind of state of the art tech or anything new happening in, in, you know, recent years, but charter ups really done that. So, so if you think of like an Expedia where, you know, you need a hotel and a, and a flight today, you're going to go on Expedia. You're not going to go to every, every hotel or, or airline website so, which charter up, if you need, you know, you need, you need a charter for 10 year friends to the Taylor Swift show, or you're the New York Giants and you need to take. If you can
1: afford a bus after that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right. Or, you know, you're the New York Giants and you need to take, you know, take the team around. You're going to come to us because we have, we have, we have hundreds of partners all across the United States operate bus operator partners, and we have technology to just make the best um experience possible everything from you know live bus tracking to you know really really high standards of operations from our partners and and you know the best pricing with our marketplace model.
1: Yeah very good. Yeah it's I mean it's it's just like that's the whole piece, isn't it? It's like, you know, you're not it's it's good. There's quite a lot of logistics there. It's not one ride for one person to one place. It's a big group of people. If something goes wrong, there's more at stake. Um, you have obviously like enterprise and corporates using your service for moving employees around campuses and facilities and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very good. I like one of the examples we had, which I think was it was it Tesla here in Austin that I think may have used you guys because when they were building the Gigafactory, they didn't want people not turning up to work. So it was like, well, we're going to make sure you get there because of the deadline. So you, uh the construction folks literally had door-to-door service which is insane but but impressive very good Uh, and so six months in like to the point which you're prepared to be candid like what did you turn up and see what were you like oh shit i need to fix this what's happened in the first six months of you being there
0: so uh, a lot of org design a lot of Hiring of some really critical roles. I think we were at a point or kind of still are at a point where we're growing out of, you know, startup fees and really elevating, elevating as a business and, and how we work. So, so a lot of new roles, new leadership. And I think, you know, the company started in office in Atlanta and everyone was together and then the pandemic hit and people dispersed and then you know started hiring remotely so uh, didn't you know didn't necessarily intend right away to become a remote first organization so really focusing there on now that we you know we are in this remote first org we're 165 people now we're not just a handful of folks in the in the Atlanta office you know how do we really maintain community and and make sure that we are you know working together in the best way possible as, as a remote team
1: mm-hmm. so it's so like org design leadership scaling out leadership and looking at kind of how you scale culture or like you said community community's maybe a better word for it i i I struggle with the term a little bit i used to i used to really love the whole term of culture and i think I think it's sort of different now. I think people view it as a different thing because people don't want to be forced, like, what what does culture mean? But I think community is a really good way of explaining it because I think it's more about belonging, right? And feeling you're with people who you care about and they care about you. Whereas culture is like, this is what we're doing. You need to fall into this kind of framework.
0: I, th- I think you're right. That's it, really interesting. I think, you know, there are, there are two separate sides to that. So when people ask me, like, Canon and staff me all the time, what's the culture there? And sometimes they'll say, well, what does culture mean to you, to your point? But, you know, uh, when the first things I think about our culture is super high performing, we, you know, everyone on the team on all of the teams just holds themselves to a really high standard, has really high expectations for ourselves, for our team, for our business. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's, why we've been able to be so successful? I mean, the business has been profitable since inception. We're, you know, it is. It's it's a strange thing to say for a tech startup, a tech company in 2023 hyper growth. I mean, it's it's a little it's a little scary, but we're smart about our growth. But yeah, so so the culture is, you know, to me is kind of how we work, how we do things, what's accepted, what's not, right? And community is really feeling like, you know, you are. Part of something you are, you know, you're able to be authentic at work, and you're able to, you know, to, you know, talk about your life or your family and and whatever version of life that is for you, and feel like you're still, you know, you're you're still welcomed and you're included. So that part to me is really important. And you know, one of the things I did when I first joined was I talked to as many people as would have me on their calendar. And some of the things I heard were like, you know, I, I I love it. I love the work that I do, but I kind of feel like I'm on an island, you know, because I'm either I'm I'm, you know, I'm a sales rep, I'm on the phone all day with customers, but I don't necessarily get to, you know, have more interactions with my team or cross functional team. So I've done a lot of work around that. And we've we've seen we've seen a great response so far. There's so much more to do, but um just kind of really always thinking about about how do we bring people together.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things we know from candidate data and things that people tell us and things that they tell us they like or don't like is like finding somewhere with that good combination of purpose for end users and purpose like impacting customers positively, you know, especially not to keep going on about it, but like post COVID. And then now with like more financial strain on organizations, like I think, talent is smartening up to the idea of like, well, I want to work somewhere that's doing something really useful, A, because it will be more marketable, but it also makes them feel good right, about the way they're doing. And there's lots of companies out there and there's lots of companies still hiring. So there's plenty of choice where people can go. But then the second piece of that is like, if I'm there, I also like life's too short. And I think that everyone feels that way at the moment. It's like life's too short to feel isolated or not not feeling like I can sort of be myself and be be valued. What are some of the things that you have done to sort of counter that feeling of being on an island?
0: Great question. So, so uh, one of the things we did, which was really fun, was I heard that actually a lot from our, our marketplace sales team. So our, tail, our, our team that takes calls from our customers. So, you know, someone wants to book a charter for their wedding, they call, we get them, we get them their trip. And they are, you know, they're on the phone with with customers all day. They love the work, as I mentioned, but didn't feel like they were necessarily connected. So we did two really fun kind of three day off sites. We did one in Austin, we did one in Atlanta. It's funny because we have we have concentrations of people in both cities and they kind of swapped, right? So that they could go somewhere where they where they don't live and explore a new city. And just had a really nice time, just you know. Spend time with our our CEO, Howard, our president, and did some, you know, did some really good learning and, and future planning for the team, but also just had fun, you know, when there was a mechanical bull involved. I was embarrassed. <laughs> they didn't invite me to that one. But uh, you know, just a just a fun time just getting together, just those things that you miss when you're not in the office.
1: Yeah, probably nothing more a leveling experience of work hierarchy or ego than a mechanical bull and a couple of beers yeah that's a good idea i like the, the office swap is just straightforward isn't it you don't have to like you're not sending people off to an exotic location but they're away from home they get to see a different side to the business and those relationships can probably have a big impact down the road of how business behaves
0: there are a lot of bonds i mean my team and i i had not yet met my team because i had just joined the first one we did but i joined in january we did one in february and then one very early march and it's the first time I met my team, and I mean, just just the three of us being together was was incredible. It was great.
1: Yeah, it's very good. I think more and more companies. We spoke recently, so the podcast we released today actually was with the VP of Revenue at a company called Hubble, which is like workspace on demand. So they don't own properties, but they're like you. They're like the marketplace for a desk or a meeting room or an office. They're scaling in the US a little bit. But I think they will get a lot bigger because WeWork doesn't quite solve the problem. Like WeWork's, like one place you get a card.
0: I'm actually with hubble because my last company we um, we had more space than we needed because we were global and remote also. But ended up with more space than we needed. And yeah, yeah.
1: Oh right. So you know, yeah. So they're, but they're they're doing a lot of sort of conversations with people leaders, ops leaders, founders, and it's you know I had the same thing last year where we had a really nice office in downtown in just outside downtown Austin. We were using it less frequently as weeks went by because everyone was like, one day from home, two days from home, three days from home, some people moving away. It's like, what are we doing? So, And they didn't allow you to sort of fractionalize that. So I, th- I think, yeah, there, there's, a lot, there's still a way to go for everybody. But I think if you've got good hubs, like talent's easier to get, easier to keep, easier to connect people. I think it, fully remote work from home can be fine. You You can do those things off site, you don't have to have an office necessarily. But I think getting people getting people out of the I think people can get into slumps, right? Just being at home fully all the time.
0: Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not just the in person, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of kind of magic can happen when you do that once in a while. But it's, you know, it's just being it's being intentional about communication. You know, I, I I always say, you know, over communicate when when you can and you know, we recently did an all company, all hands, which I love to do. Um, we'll continue doing those and just, you know, sharing information. People get to hear from our leadership team. People get to hear about what other teams are doing. People get to share what their teams are doing. We get to celebrate, you know, anniversaries, new roles, new hires. My new hire slide was, was giant. I put up, uh, cause I didn't have enough time to go through everyone. I put all their faces on there. Just, you know, having those moments of coming together and, you know, kind of energizing and being excited. We have, you know, we, we use Slack for, you know, we have a community Slack channel where we where we do everything from, you know, post pictures of charter bus in the wild when we see them out, you know, uh, to, you know, screenshots of, of really great customer reviews or really touching customer reviews. We talk to people during really, you know, kind of sensitive and, and special moments in their lives. A lot of the times you think wedding, you think, you know, you think that the the high school lacrosse team going to the states, right? These like very emotional times that we're with people, so that's lots of fun. And then, you know, right now we're in Pride, so all of our all of our Pride comms and conversations are happening. So you know, you just have to to work at it. It's not. I think I think as long as you're intentional about it, then remote first is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do.
1: Yeah, I I would agree, and I think it's really it does need work and you you need to be i think it needs what i've realized as well is like i go into if i lead things too much internally i feel a bit cringy because i watch all these instagram reels of people mocking their workplace trying to make work fun and i'm like oh i know that that goes on but it shouldn't stop you from doing you just got to do it well so i've sort of made. A bit of a rule that, like, it, it gets passed around a bit as to who, whose idea that we're executing and what we're going to do when we meet Can't up. Force
0: and, go force the fun.
1: No, exactly, and, and yeah, try and build consensus, which is obviously difficult. But I want to go back to um, so, so so building out, scaling the team, but specifically the critical eyes, the leadership positions. We've talked about this before, but like, how do you go about? Like, I'm not talking chutter up pre-gen, I'm sort of charter up now, how do you go about building out these positions, defining positions, making sure that the hires are made the right way, get the right person in see and that like alignment is, um, is initiated well.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the talent acquisition process and what I've learned over the years is that, you know, to build kind of, to build the right org and to build a, a, a TA machine you put you put the work in, in the front end. The work in, in the front end that doesn't always happen. And if you do that the right way, then you're gonna have a much more successful outcome. So for me it's a couple of things. It's you know it's really having conversations around org design, around, you know, around around role design and and you know, I, I talk about I talk about roles, jobs as what what are we hiring this person to deliver instead of what, you know, what what are the things they will do each day? That's fine. That's how they'll get there. But what what are the outcomes that we really want to see from people? So so really kind of scoping out and defining those. I'm also stingy because I mentioned, you know, hyper growth in 2023 is a strange is a, a strange thing to say. I come from years and years and years of of large retail organizations in my background. I never want to do another layoff. I never want to do another reduction of force. So I am stingy, but my, my, I have I have great partners who who work with me. You know, I, I, as long as we put in the work in the front end. So what we do, one of the things that we really focus on is, is we build out scorecards for every role that we launch. Every single role that we launch, launches with a scorecard. How we use that scorecard is first we define like, you know, what why are we hiring this job tell me in not, don't tell me in fluffy JD language, tell, job scripting language, tell me, like, why do you need this person? You know, and if I'm, and, and and if I can dig in and say, well, that person can do it, or that person can do it, or that person can do it. If not that, then, okay, we need this job. What are the outcomes again, all, all outcome-based? So how will you know that this person is successful? What do you need them to deliver? Not just what do you need them to do every day, but what do you actually need them to deliver? And then, you know, what are what are the kind of, competencies. So, so what are, what are the behaviors, What are the competencies that you need from this person that you need this person to, you know, to possess, to be able to do, to deliver those things in the best way. Right. So we, we define that first and that work ahead of time. You know, sometimes I mentioned I have wonderful partners, so no one ever groans when we first talk about this, but you know, someone could groan because they go, Oh, like I just, I wrote the JD, like, I'll just know it when I see it. I don't like I'll know it when I see it because there are so many, um, you know, unconscious biases, so, so many things that can come into play there with know it when I see it. So if you really define it first, A, you're making sure that you're putting resources where you actually need resources. B, you're building out, you're essentially building out onboarding plan. You're building out, you know, 30, 60, 90. You're building out their kind of talent check-in, talent assessment over the over the next, you know, however many quarters, years, et cetera, because you're nailing that down from the beginning, what you need this person to deliver. And then we define in that kind of pre-kickoff session also who will interview. We have the same people interview each role. So it's apples to apples. And we we identify, you know, who will who will focus in which area. And, you know, that way people get the same questions. Each candidate gets the same, you know, number of questions, types of questions. Obviously we don't, you know, it's not a script. We will, we will dig wherever we need to, but, um, you know, there's so much, I think that goes, uh, or that comes from kind of consistency and, and making sure that you're, you're evaluating all the candidates on the same criteria. So, we do that beginning, we do that kind of front end work. Wrap up my, we do that front end work. And then, you know, by that, by doing that, we're, we're, we know a hundred percent what we're looking for and we can, we can go get it.
1: Yeah. I think we try to look at positions as kind of like a product spec, like what's the outcome? What's, what, what's going to help achieve the outcome? Then the, the kind of like to do's and the, all the traits and the characteristics, but most specs problem with job specs that get written say a hiring manager goes up and writes a job spec what i find most of the time comes back is a hugely verbose war and peace that doesn't matter how good is how well it's written it may not get read like start starting off with like 10 bullet points working backwards from the outcome and then and then the traits and then like okay what's the stack rank like everyone's got i've had another debate with a vp of people who she she actually said to me that unconscious unconscious bias i won't say her name unconscious biases and she's like they're just good judgment gauges and i was like well no not always because things change so like if you're just constantly hiring for the same thing with every way you hire and you want x school x company x type of brand Like, yes, they may have been a barometer for quality in the past, but I don't think that's the same now um, with things changing. So when you said to me, when we spoke the other week, you talk about scorecards, like I I typically do the opposite of a groan because I'm like, here we go. Like, we can just get this done properly because...
0: That's where we like (laughs) each other. One of the
1: reasons. (laughs) Yes, I think so. It's like, I I say this quite a lot to my team, but it's like, I can't remember. I think it's one of your US presidents that said it and I'll have to i've gone blank but it's like if you've got five hours to chop down a tree spend the first hour sharpening the blade of the axe and then the rest is a lot straight more straightforward i think hiring is just like i have to repeat that a lot with companies and execs and teams it's like don't just shoot us don't just shoot us a spec and say right let's start seeing people i'm like no like let's talk let's organize this information let's let's actually just put the spec aside for one moment because it's you know, candidates don't read them or they don't read them properly and that's not necessarily any fault of their own. So yeah, I think scorecarding and getting organized, being data driven up front. So how do you, how do you, you, if people do groan and you're saying like, hey, this is what we're doing, what's your sort of like rebuttal to that? What's your counterpoint? Obviously, it's just the way it is because you're VP of people, but
0: i honestly, this is going to, this is going to sound untrue. It's not true. I, I don't get a lot of groans. I don't get a lot of groans. If I get a little like, ooh, that's not what I'm used to. You know, we talk through it like, like I just did. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I, I, we will find them the best candidates in a shorter amount of time when, after we have these conversations and do a little work sharpening our X. So it's really, it it hasn't been, it hasn't been much of a, I've grown. There's also tons. I mean, there's tons of data, right? There's tons of data behind it. Like there's something like 30% uh or women are are like 30% less likely to be called, to be sourced for a role than a man with the same characteristics. However, if you, so you can't, you know, if you have this scorecard and you start with, you know, we need this outcome, this outcome, this outcome, and then we see two profiles and we they both can touch the same or or can, can achieve the same outcomes. There's no kind of, you know, there's, you you can't deny it. It's, it's what we've identified. So, I mean, even like, you know, women and people of color are less likely to apply for a role unless they meet, you know, 70 plus percent. I might be off with the number, but of the, of the criteria, you know, so making sure that it's really, it's it's defined and not just fluffy language.
1: Yeah, no, we, I could definitely say that I think it's, it's too easy for people to apply to stuff anyway. And if you don't get real tight on certain requirements on the front end, but then like to your point, then you make the the way you go about the hiring and the, the way you present that information to people make it a slightly more welcoming. I'd like, I do want to talk about that because yeah, we've talked a bit about BE and I, I definitely feel like because hirings dropped off the radar for so many companies in the last year. DE&I has also just kind of fallen off the wayside with many. There was, like two years ago, it was all you could really sort of hear and read about in terms of companies, initiatives. And I think the recessionary environment and the layoffs and everything like that means it's like, oh uh, well, fiscally, maybe a CFO or hiring leaders have kind of said, well, that's not sort of so important anymore. And I know it is to you guys. How do you go about once you built out position, how do you go about making it more accessible to all types of talent?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that starts even with the build out of the of the role, right? Scope in the role. There's, you know, making sure you're using inclusive language. And it's so interesting. Like I've been digging into to inclusive language for the past couple of years like more and more and just learning more and more because it's also always changing. The words we use are always changing. And, um, so I want to make sure that, you know, I, I'm doing my best to kind of stay educated, but there's like, there's even like, there's really cool tech out right now. You can run a, G, a job description through and make sure that you're not using, you know, strong too many times is, you know, a male, it, it, it is perceived as a male word or yeah?
1: what is it? What does it even mean in a,
0: Right, strong right. in the
1: context of building software or selling software or marketing or, like, what does strong mean? Like robust or reliable or give right.
0: me expert level. Yeah. So, like, there's like cool tech you can run things through. There's 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 so many like, well, giant nerd, but there's so many like tools and.
1: Yeah. What are some for anybody listening? That's kind of like there's other there's there's other giant nerds that will typically listen to this. Like, what what are those? Um... What places can you guide people to that you would use any of those tools or resources?
0: There's UI include, U, UI include, I want to say, is a is a really good one for job descriptions. I love, I, we even like just internally, like I love Slack bot, like, you know, pop up, someone writes, hey guys, someone's, you know, you'll get a pop up and say, this is not, you're not using inclusive language, right? And so, And so just kind of, prompting in those ways i think there's there's yeah it's
1: fine we we've joked about this before but now that you have an austin hub like y'all is just the best f- inclusive term from my perspective anyway but that's it,
0: that's it i haven't jumped on the y'all train yet i'm trying i live in florida now as you know uh,
1: yeah, you're, you're southern enough uh,
0: uh well yeah yeah <laughs> it took
1: me a while it took me a while and i was really self-conscious and now i'm like fully fully on board the all train so you you yeah so from the position building to the 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 description and the the definition what about like interview and assessment like how do you you're very i think when you joined uh when we started working with charter up pretty male dominated business overall so like what you know how, how are things done through interview process and scorecarding and feeding back on candidates.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, tech, tech, as we know, is male dominated business, right? So, so it's not, it's not specific to charter up, but yeah, I mean, it's something that my team and I are constantly, constantly focused on. I mean, and I think it starts, it starts from when you're sharpening your ax, when you're, I'm going to use that Gareth. I really like that now. So when you're, it comes from that, that, that pre-work, I won't say who he's, he's wonderful and a wonderful partner but he was one of my business partners was talking about a hypothetical candidate right and saying you know these guys are you know this 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 they come from this 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 companies, these guys are you know they and 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 all i heard i heard what my mom what guys what, my mom what guys because and i said to myself i don't believe so but who knows maybe he's picturing a man in this role so You know, I think one of the, one of the critical things that everyone needs to do, and it's not always easy to do, but you have to speak up in moments like that. So I said to him in that, you know, in that conversation, like, you're saying guys, I feel like you're saying guys because you're from Jersey like me. And we say, you know, Hey guys, all these years, but is it, or or, like, tell me who you picture when you see this role. Like, Oh my goodness. He said, "I, I was saying guys, I'm not picturing a man consciously. However, I think it's just like stopping that from the beginning and so that that didn't continue through the interview process and through conversations with my team or, you know, you and your team about the candidate. So it starts there. It starts with inclusive language on the JD. It starts with, you know, um, with with scorecarding. And then my team is just always, always, always focused on as you are and your team are as well on just, you know, providing a, a diverse candidate pool candidate uh you know pull
1: for interviews and you know do you just- do you, you got and on that note like you guys have I think you guys have rightly so I right? um you know performance what you said at the beginning is what I think. I think in terms of business, like everyone gets lost in culture and culture really is about performance and how you how you perform is kind of the, the nuts and bolts probably around what people do in terms of building out the culture of performance in a sustainable way. But like you do have, you guys have a high bar. I, th- I think you guys also, you, your team, your, see, I've just said guys, your, your leaders.
0: I'm, progress. Yeah. I'm
1: probably talking about, yeah, Amir and Howard.
0: You're you're actually picturing them. Yeah.
1: I, um, yeah. And I know that, and, and some other folks who are interviewing, but like, I know there is a relatively high bar and a relatively tough set of standards right to get through interview into trial trump so what sometimes we hear from any client is and this is like a this is male and female like if people are a bit too tough on interviews they get a bit defensive but i think that's that that's not that's not certainly a bad thing do you have you said you have the same people interviewing for the same role asking the same questions so you don't change the sort of nature of an interview depending on who they're interviewing
0: That's right. And I think that's, that's critically important because while, while yes, we're, I mean, we dig in interviews. It's not, you know, startups are not easy. Successful startups are not easy. It's fun. It's challenging. You know, if you're someone who thrives in this environment and who wants to push a business forward and you want to see the impact of your work, like that's why people come and join a company like ours. So, you know, yes, well, well, you know, we don't, we don't have, we don't, We don't let anyone through. I feel very proud that I got through, you know, but I really was sweating it there for, for a while. But, you know, I, I think, I think tough is fine, obviously professional, you know, nothing that is, that is not, you know, unprofessional or, 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 not, you know, good, but tough on everyone, right? There's another stat that I won't even try to remember, but it's something around, Women get asked x percent more questions typically in an interview and have fewer time to answer each question typically in an interview big study done so isn't that interesting right so so that's just one of those things that we can kind of knock out as long as we stick to our stick to our scorecards and stick to our areas where we 're probing what
1: well, do you think that is? do you think like I would say what I think it potentially could be is that sometimes a man ensuing uh, a male interviewing a female, sometimes a male interviewing a mother man can just, they can bro out on an interview and it's all like chit-chat and, or, or they, and I think sometimes probably what's that historical data comes for is males potentially scrutinizing female candidates more.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's that kind of, you know, we, we would love to think that it's not real, but it is real. I've experienced it. I mean, I've had, I've had interviewers look at me like, really? Did you do that? Yes, I did that. You know, and I, and, and yeah, I mean, I, but it's, I think talking about it, I think putting it out there and saying this happens and this is still happening and here are steps that we're taking to make sure it doesn't happen in our organization is important. Talking about these things is really important.
1: Yeah, I think so. Talking about it is good because it leads to probably what needs to happen which is males probably needing to be coached on interviewing better to be more stringent with other males and not feel like there's going to be conflict and then being more like consistent with whoever they're interviewing right just like just be this just just i think with hiring in general like you, there should be no surprises. It sh- if it, you know, yes, you can surprise people with curveball, tough questions, but there shouldn't be su- too many surprises in general in any facet of a hiring experience. But I think that a lot of people that interview go too one way or the other. They go too tough on questioning, or they go too soft. Just be like firm, consistent, um, and direct.
0: They just their pets, or they, you know, and the weather, or or it's a, you know, it's a, it's an interrogation. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people need to be taught how to interview better. And we've done a lot of interview training here. I learned how to interview better by coming here. I really did from, from Howard, our president, who, who who's my leader. I, I mean, he's incredible. He's built, you know, businesses. He's been, you know, hired by boards to, to select their leadership team. And, you know, and, and, and I've learned from him. And so we've done a ton of interviewing not a ton. We've done, we've, we've done, we've hit all hiring managers with our interviewing training. We'll continue to do it, continue to go deeper, deeper, but I think everyone can learn how to interview better.
1: Yeah. I I think, well, I was just going to say that the flip side to people interviewing candidates and having to be coached is also to watch out for candidates that are really good at interviewing because they exist and it doesn't, that's a skill, and sometimes that is their best skill is interviewing, and it doesn't always mean it translates into being the best employee and team teammate you at all. You can
0: dig that out. You can dig that out.
1: Yeah. So, so I was going to say. So, so for, well. On that note, how do you dig that out? Secondly, with Howard, you said like you've learned from him. He, I think he's very good at getting people. He likes to pe- people answer directly, concisely. What, what did you learn from him? So first question there is like, how do you dig that out? Like just good interviewers, and stylistically or confidence wise or whatever it may be. Second question, like with Howard, like what, what's he helped with your improvement?
0: Yeah. So Howard is, um, Howard has used pieces of the method that he learned from, from the book, who the a method for hiring. When Howard when I first joined and and Howard sent me a book on interviewing, I tried not to be offended. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, welcome, vvp people. Here's a book on how to be better.
0: You just hired me to <laughs> lead your people function and hire your team and you're gonna send me a book. Okay. I'm always I'm always open. So so I pop the book open. It's really funny, and we actually I, I joke because we had this conversation ahead of ahead of him sending me the book, but I had been following for years a number of pieces, you know, of that theory, and and, you know, was able to dig in a little deeper and learn a little bit more. I don't take everything from that book. I don't agree with everything from that book, but you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm not modeling exactly after. But I think there are really some really critical pieces that you know can just can just break through. Break through anyone who's a great interviewer, a not great interviewer, you know, to understand really what is the likelihood of that person being able to produce the outcomes that you need for this role?
1: Right. So what would be some things to just like, there's some people have a very good innate BS detector and I think I'm all right at that. Like, and I think some people were like, oh, well this person come away from interviews. They're like, great. Like, I'm like, well, did you ask how that happened? And, what it how did how do they instigate that? What else didn't work? Because if it, if someone's gone through their career and they interview and they nothing's never not worked, that's the first red flag for me because like the, the, yeah, it's irrelevant like um as to how good you've been at certain times in your life. You will have failed if you've been working hard enough or trying hard enough. So yeah, what 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 are some of the things that you look for what's part of your BS detector for just good interviewers?
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we, that we highlight really heavily in interview training is, is not stopping until you hit a wall, not stopping until you understand, you know, ex- or not stopping until you understand exactly what happened, exactly what either, you know, why that person left that job or what they were responsible for in this, you know, project or initiative that they're talking about, what they actually did and what Even thinking about like individual contributors, like how did they stack up against their other team members, you know, their peers? So really digging in until you can't get anything more out. Because if you just have people kind of so many, I mean, just so many interviewers just will walk through, you know, walk me through your background, walk me through your history. Okay, great. People are always going to tell the highlight reel, you know, so, so, so it's digging in. It's just really not stopping until you understand exactly what happened. And then also not stopping until you understand, Howard always says this, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm repeating him. But as I said, I've learned a lot from him, but like, not the limit of someone's capabilities, right? right. Like how yeah. people are you able to think about this? How well are you able to explain this? You know, h- how how much have you done? So what is what's the limit?
1: Yeah. So like, one of the ones I try to sort of say to the team is like, we, we try to filter for this anyway, just like mechanically through resume and linkedin profile but multiple multiple short stints so and if someone's like oh yeah i left there because my boss i couldn't handle my boss oh okay next question it's like well no hang on why couldn't you handle them what do you do try to do to improve it or or oh, they i left this you see this with aes a lot it's like oh i left there because they changed the comp plan okay but like even if they changed it and you stayed and earned slightly less, you might have been in a better position than just leaving another job. So why not try to go and influence or just deal with that and accept it? Like something bad happened to you, so you changed jobs. Like that just means that you can't handle change. So I think to your point, I think more recruiters, hiring managers need to probe and until, like you say, you hit the wall, which essentially you're satisfied with the answer, right? You're satisfied that it makes sense or it doesn't. And then it's either a, like a green or a red based on how you make decisions.
0: Yeah. First, those first calls are so critically important too. I think like, you know, when we're working with your team, those first calls that you're having or your team is having, or if it's, you know, my team recruiting for something internally, it's those first calls are so critical. And I always say to my team, like, you know, this is this is your chance to show the business what you think good talent is. So dig dig dig. That screen may take you a little bit longer, but you're only getting, you know, you're only putting through kind of the best of the best and and your A players, and you know, make, make me look good.
1: That's yeah, yeah. Make every make us all help each other, um, for sure. Let, let's let's sort of move on to the other thing that we have talked about before, and I think in our very first conversation we talked about this. And it's a very divisive subject matter because it's changing and it's, it's changed a lot due to legislation. It's changed because of distributed teams and remote working and it's still...
0: Generational norms.
1: Yeah. Like just tra- transparency being a thing, right? And, and there's, bi- there's, there's like very, very big businesses now set up to help with this subject matter. So I think it's like worth talking about to sort of have other people listening think about but that's the subject of compensation transparency so the the, when i i first moved to the us four or five years ago and one of the things i looked at was like coming from the uk which is although we have gdpr which is annoying and you don't have that here really the, uh, the us is incredibly like litigious right like you can get served and you may not have done anything wrong, but that's then a headache for you. So I looked at like the big no nos, and it was just like in various states you can't ask comp up front. So
0: that was a, that was one of the first big changes, right? I was in I was working in New York when that happens, and that was one of the that was what are we going to do when we can't ask people their compensation? They're going to you know make more to come work for us.
1: How dare they? Yeah, exactly. How dare people like move up in the world? Yeah, so so we just had a blanket rule internally that we're just not going to ask, even if it's like in Texas or wherever, like it's $250,000 $250, fine, someone told me that may or may not be accurate now. But I think a couple of years ago, someone said, if you ask in New Jersey, it's a hefty fine for you as a business. So we're like, okay, we're not going to do it. But like, what do you think that that means? Like, wh- what does it mean to people and a talent function as like a change in legislation and a change in cultural norms?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember this, this topic first came up for us when we for very, you know, just started working together. I had just joined the business. You were already yeah. working with her up. And, you know, there was a Slack message of, well, this person, you know, this would be a 30% increase for her. And I said, great. Good for her. Good for her. I don't know why she. it's a 30% increase. Maybe it's a much bigger job. Maybe she's underpaid. Um, where she is, maybe she's coming from nonprofit. I don't know. But I don't care. I don't care how much, you know, up, down, across. We are, we're, we're paying for the role. We're paying for the outcomes that we need this person to deliver. And so I, you know, pay transparency for me, I mean, I'm constantly learning, constantly learning, things are constantly changing. But like for me, it started yeah. and then I used to work in New York. So, you know, started with that. And then a couple of years ago it started, what New York is one of the first states to uh require. Uh, a, a reasonable, you know, real people got around that, but salary range for each job posting. So it's one of the things that we've, well, that we started doing as soon as I got here, you know, with Georgia where we're based, not, not law there yet. And, you know, my team, that team at charter up Op, completely open to it. It's just something that hadn't been happening. It's not that it was intentionally not being done. It just hadn't been happening.
1: Well, and so that party just like, focused on the business and the growth, right? And it's like, oh pay pay's a thing over there. But someone like you comes in and they're like, no, it's not a thing over there. It's like it's central to talent strategy potentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, it's it's one of those other things that you do the work, you do the the, the research on the front end and then it saves everyone time. It saves I like to put it right at the top of my job descriptions. Because, you know, if this if this doesn't work for you for that role, then, you know, then then we'll save the conversation for another time. I don't want to play games. Cool.
1: Yeah, I think we're we're interviewing a few folks at the moment, and I spoke to somebody who is from a very different culture, much bigger company, big base, discretionary quarterly bonuses, and I was like, that won't be a thing here. Like, we would you would be able to earn a lot more, but like we're so much smaller and early stage. I was like, I just want to tell you now. Like, I was like, I like you as an individual, but this compensation will look like this, and we sort of walked through it. And they they were like, look, I appreciate that transparency. I, I can handle that. Like yeah, you're telling me I can earn more, but I just won't have as big a base salary and I'm joining an early stage company. I should probably sort of feel, comfort- feel comfortable with that. So I just think it's, yeah, it's these are things that, sh- again, like no surprises, right? It shouldn't get to the end and be like, oh, you're pulling an extra 30K on your base demand where we told you this is the range. So like, absolutely not. And then it also says something about reasonable people. I think like if people negotiate reasonably about comp, or anything, then they are, by definition, more reasonable people to deal with and probably better to work with. Um, If they get a little bit carried away, then they can probably get carried away in other areas of work.
0: I mean, I think it's reasonable to have the conversation again, as we do at the end, right? They've learned more, they've learned, you know, they've learned what it takes to, you know, to, to, to do this job and to do it well and to be at this company. So, you know, it's, it's, it's worth revisiting again at the end. This is one of those areas too, where I get super nerdy because there's so many more tool. There's, there's better and more and, and accessible tools out there now for comp benchmarking and for real comp benchmarking. You know, it used to be you had to work at a big company and spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to get these big reports that, you know, may or may not be accurate and took a whole, uh, you know, whole team, a whole, Month to yeah, put together. I use Pave. I think I talked to you about Pave, right? I use Pave, what I yep yeah, integrates with our HRIS. So you have to give to get. You're not giving any, obviously, you know, uh, personal identifying information. But
1: yeah, they they take basically pay data from you guys. They encrypt it, all right, and it's just by function, title.
0: Probably area code. Both compared to their, you know, against their leveling structure, which is you know very similar to what we were using anyway. And, and it integrates. So you're getting real time data. And since I've been using it and I, and I run every job through it, internal and external benchmarking, I always look internally before, you know, before we're posting an, an open role or, or creating a new role, but it's never been wildly off, which is just a beautiful, beautiful thing, you know? Because rich people are making right now that's what's you know that's what's in hrs and you can cut it a bunch of different ways we don't rely heavily on on geographic differentials i mean we're not paying everyone like san francisco bay level because it's just cost of labor is just that is the highest there but but you know we do, we 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 typically do like all u.s combined sometimes we'll go a little bit deeper if we're you know, if the role sits in Austin or a role sits in Atlanta, I want to make sure that we're looking at the right data. But so much at your fingertips now that didn't used to always be there, and it's free for us to use, which is like you know, I told you I'm stingy. I'm stingy, <laughs> and, we're, and and we're. A no, you're not.
1: You're stingy. What's the word? The word I, would, you know, I think we we keep Jake and I talk about this, and then we we've heard it and we've sort of internalized it. It's like. Twenty to twenty-three is like the the return to rigor, which is like money's not free, so don't act like it's free. And I heard of a business recently that went out of business, and I heard that they're not even their own product technology costs, but like all the tools they were using, like Salesforce, they had Salesforce and HubSpot, and they probably had paid, paid versions of everything you're talking about. But they were spending they were spending eight million dollars a year on just SaaS tools for their internal use not what yeah yeah I was like well there you go and that's that's the kind of the mindset that the world's been in for the last sort of five to ten years actually post the last recession so like when the interest rates flattened and everything went crazy I I think yeah being stingy or frugal or clever or resourceful are very good things to bring into a business especially with hiring as well because you know, we spoke to a company the other day that are probably going to land a Series C, maybe D. I can't remember which letter it was, but it was like Q4, and they're going to probably raise a hundred million, and they're going to hire like thirty salespeople. And we were talking with the chief revenue officer, and he was like, "Look, like I want to hire, I want a program of hiring for that number of people, and I want it done slickly. But I'm not in the mindset of paying twenty percent on top of base salary for every single hire." And I was like, uh, "No, nor nor should you." because it's just not necessary. So I think everybody's getting more sensible. I think you still have to pay for certain quality of tools. But I think for you, yeah, to your point, like you give to get, so you're just giving data to get data. I think Pave Carter is great, right, for transparency of equity.
0: Yeah, so Pave, get, it's great, right? Yeah, Yeah. So you can get equity, you know, benchmarking. It's great. It's it's really good.
1: Well, and the other thing that you've mentioned before that I'd never heard of just why we're talking about these talent tools because talent folks do love to sort of hear about these things. It is, is, is a benefits platform that you use? Is it gravy?
0: Ah, yes. So we use gravy is our, yeah, our benefits provider. They're also a startup and um, we're able to get really, really, really rich, benefits through them. It's honestly, I say this to people and they probably think that I'm not being truthful because it sounds crazy, but it's that we have the the most, we have the, the, the most robust and kind of rich benefits plans that I've seen in over a decade since companies started tipping away and, you know, and not spending money there. You know, we had May is mental health awareness month among, among other things. And so I just, I I had an hour on an afternoon and I was like, I'm going to see what what we really offer. And I was just, I, w- I was blown away. I was super excited. So, you know, up it went the community channel for me- for mental health awareness, but, you know, free, for, it's just, it's, it's, first of all, we cover it for all of our employees. We cover, we fully subsidize the, the medical. And then it's just, you know, teledoc therapist appointments, which is the only way I like to do therapy. Don't drag me into an office, but- but I, but I will see you uh, from the comfort of my desk. And, and I mean, so many other things, even like, you know, for me also as, as a lot of other people, physical health is, you know, is it plays a big role in your mental health and feeling strong and feeling good physically. So, you know, access to all kinds of, you know, really good like meditation apps and um, classes and virtual classes. And, you know, these are things that were offered. It's interesting because These are things that were offered a lot, like pre a couple of years ago, that no one really, I worked at companies where we had all of these benefits and talking about spending too much money, right? We spent a lot of money on all of these benefits that people didn't either know we had or didn't care about or didn't use. And I think now we are spending money in really smart areas and and supporting our employees you know, in ways that really matter to them now. I mean, who doesn't need a therapist on the screen? Not me. You know, so like in in twenty in twenty twenty three. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it's a very it's a it's an investment that I think not all not all companies not all startups are making right now. But it's I think it's a smart one.
1: Yeah, the thing I think that's changed, in my opinion. So I came out of college and started working in two thousand five when it was obscenely hardcore and you couldn't take a morning to go to the doctors or the dentist and you know I work you you know you were working 60 hours a week. I was and so it's like yeah no time for I used to just squeeze in like 30, 40 minutes of gym and lunch. If I was a minute late at my desk I got frowned at. So I think things have just changed gradually for the better where I'm sure there's people of old who are like, nah, I wish it was the same. Like everyone in the office, you know, see and hear the productivity. But like I have a, a Thursday annual, like I'm like geek out on quite a lot of stuff. But like, I love getting my bloods done. Just like a game to me. It's like, can I get through every year?
0: Every time I would be into it, but I can't. I
1: can't. Yeah, I don't look at it. I don't look at it. But I love getting the letter through in the mail with all the results. And so, you know, just putting more time aside to actually be like it, I, I said to the team as well i'm like hey i haven't had a pto request in a month like what you're doing like put the pto in plan ahead of it and then enjoy it and so because again i it got frowned upon when i was out of college or when i was like even like late 20s and i was like working a pretty hard like hardcore job traveling around like paying in pto requests was frowned upon and and i think what's happened is you you know probably multiple factors but like we had that big recession in oh eight oh nine, which kind of like brought about more formality in the world more informality in the world because banking got decimated and you know everyone sort of startups started to bubble up and then obviously we had covid and i think there is some hypocrisy out there but i think most leaders are pretty in tune now to the fact that if your team are like feel valued and their time is valued and their outside work is valued, then they probably will give you more back in work. There will be people who exploit that and you just gotta get those people out of your business quick time. But the people that don't exploit exploit it, like you want to keep them and you want them operating well. So yeah, we do the same thing. It's like, yeah, you know, we we either you can either take a healthcare through like healthcare and various other benefits and I try to sort of make sure on probably like a quarterly basis that it's all getting used and the PTO is getting booked in and we don't do, yeah, we don't do, I used to do incentives for things that people might want. Like if you are the quarterly, like if you perform particularly well in a quarter in the team, you might get some things of monetary value. Whereas now we're like, Hey, just like take Friday off. Like
0: what's more valuable. But I think this goes back to what we said earlier about like talking about these things. I think talking about these things and, modeling behavior, especially as a leader, so critically important. Like I mentioned therapy five times. (laughs) Why not? Right? Like,
1: no, because it is stigmatized, isn't it from days of old?
0: So let's, let's talk about it. I will, you know, I'll, I'll put on my, my slack or my out of office, my whole team knows when, you know, I've got a Sarasota sharks swim race for my kids. And I, you know, I, I, I book out at three o'clock on a Friday to go see that. And I'm not just going to Does anyone care why I'm at three o'clock on a Friday? No, but I want to broadcast. I am leaving to go watch my kids swim because if I do it, then I hope other people, you know, see it and think they can do it too because it's absolutely, I mean, that's the way my team operates. We know exactly what we need to deliver outcomes. We know what we need to deliver. We know what our roadmap looks like. I don't care when you get it done. I like to work at two o'clock in the morning because I don't sleep because I drink too much caffeine during the day, but like- that's When, and, and then, so then I go, you know, I go for three hours for a swim meet on a Friday afternoon. Like as long as you your, your work, you're getting your stuff done and you, and you, and you're, you know, and you're excited about your role, then that is one of the beauties. Yes. Of not being 2008 anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, amen. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I wouldn't change it at all. Like I have some funny stories that my team don't even believe me. Like, so in 2005, six, seven, I was in a really cool office in like Soho in London.
0: Was in Soho, it, New York. I thought uh, you were going to say you were in New York, and we passed. No, Soho,
1: Soho in London, and and then in 2009, I used to travel to New York a lot. But like, so that my the evolution for me was like out of college into suit, shirt, tie. Um, I couldn't even like have. I have to shave the, the morning of work. So if I if I shaved at night, because I had to get the train for an hour and a half commute and have a suit and tie on if i shaved the night before just to sort of stop that neck crash our managing director would walk around and he would be like i'm actually good friends with him now but like at the time i was like you absolute piece of work he was like gareth did you shave last night and i was like yeah i shaved last night but like clean shave with a razor he's like yeah not cool not cool go and get so i had to go to like the equivalent of cvs and buy a razor and shaving foam and shaving the office to return to my desk that was like what culture meant yeah and then, and then you know i left that company went to fund in Euro- a new company in europe and traveled quite a lot but no tie i was like oh this is amazing i don't have to wear a tie and now i've sort of i'm in a t-shirt shorts because it's like 90 degrees here but yeah things change gradually i think some companies in my opinion absolutely got too soft to hire and retain talent. And what I mean by that is not like giving everything and then not stating like what, what you've said a few times as well is like outcomes. And yeah, I think as long as everyone has their outcomes and the tr- the tr- and those outcomes are critical to helping the business, the rest of the stuff should be there to make them feel enabled and have a sustainable work life. Because I think that's the big piece. Like I, I can definitely put my hand up and say that in 2009, I felt burnt out because I was giving everything. All right, I was getting paid. I was getting paid decent bonuses and commission and stuff, but it was like I felt I was giving more of me than just my time and, like, it probably crossed the line in terms of health, whereas now I would never do that and I don't expect it from my team. And um, on on your note, you mentioned this is just um, I gave up caffeine last Monday, cold turkey, and I felt horrific for two days, like – i don't get headaches but i had a headache for two days and after that felt pretty good and then this week i'm like yeah i feel really i it definitely takes me a little longer in the morning to just sort of like kind of like get to the level so it's like two glasses of cold water and then it's like okay i'm starting to feel all right yeah i'm not quite as like firing in the morning as i used to be but i don't have the i don't have any crash late afternoon but I'll probably I just...
0: Try. I need to try it again. I went... I mean, I went... I was, you know, no caffeine every... Well, with my kids, being pregnant, before I got pregnant, getting pregnant, you know, nursing, no caffeine. I went for years with no caffeine. Why I just started again, I don't know, but, uh, it's but now I... Because <laughs> yeah, it's great. But now, like, now I have them. So, like, you know, now I...
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually a fair point. I think... I think that's absolutely why... I went from being like an espresso in the morning and one at lunch to like a three in the morning, two after lunch guy. Uh, yeah, now minor minor order so it, it's 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 easier. One of these um, days, one of these days, I'll
0: be lemon water only. But you know, till <laughs> so then, yeah. Can, can I think a
1: few years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's there's always something, right? Let, let's wrap up in a few of these points that I want to kind of ask you about that we always ask our podcast guests. What advice would you give to founders and people teams? like na- navigating salary and comp transparency and and what would what would your like th- two or three pieces of advice be to anybody like thinking about compensation and transparency having a tough time with it
0: yeah i think well i think when you think about comp you have to think about total comp you don't just think about yes. the salary you have to think about and that's everything that's like what we know as total comp but it's also you know how how rich and accessible are your benefits are you offering a parental leave you know are you are you um are you offering you know growth and 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 learning and development within you know with, within the organization that's actually going to actually going to develop someone's career so I think look at whole package pay market pay for the job I am stingy I'm not stingy with that pay for the job right pay for the outcomes because otherwise you're not going to get the best people if you want the best people you're going to pay Pay for the job.
1: Well, they might not stay, right? Like for a reasonable period of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think, I think it can be an uncomfortable thing, especially for, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like generationally, I, I remember when it was like, what do you mean you're talking about your compensation to your peer? How do you know your peer makes, you know, 3% more than you do? You shouldn't talk about it. That's unprofessional. It's not unprofessional. Why shouldn't people, right? So- It's happening. Let's not pretend it's not going to happen. And you know that's why we always look—we look internally for every promotion, for every hire. We want to make sure that you know we're—is there someone else that we need to adjust because we're making this hire now? Because now we know that you know that market rate has really changed since this person was hired, for example. So I think just get used to, get used to it, get used to it, because it's it's you know it's it's really not going to be long before. The law is everywhere. And it's just the right thing to do, right? It's just the right thing to do. And don't worry about if someone's making 30% more at your job. Good for them.
1: Yeah, I would rather work for a company where everybody was, well, correctly paid and everybody was like engaged, bought in and motivated because they, you'll do better, right? Like if it's, it's kind of like, I hate always using sporting analogies, but since I've come to the US, it's so big. That like everyone knows what some of the top players get in the football teams, right? They know that they're on X guarantee, X yearly package, like quarterbacks and whatever. But other players don't complain about that. They're like, no, we want that person to be really well paid, and we want the best person there because we'll all do better as a result.
0: That's right. That's right. And and you know, I think as long as you're challenging people, you're 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 clearly defining roles and expectations and. You know, you're giving people good work. You're trusting them. You're you're letting them be flexible if they need to be flexible if the role allows for it. Obviously, someone who's on a you know needs to answer the phone for a customer has to be on during those hours. But you know, giving giving your team, especially in this remote environment, flexibility and then tying it all back to we're all in this together. We are all one team. We're building the community. We're trying to be as as ourselves as possible at work and talking about things like therapy and and you know, and and talking about our all different kinds of families and and you know making space for people to you know to 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 be as authentic as they're comfortable being at work. And you hope that they're fully comfortable. And if not, you make changes to get them to the or to to make your environment where, you know, where you do support that kind of um inclusivity and 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 comfort. But it's all like to me, I see it as just like all pieces of the pie that make a really incredible place to work. It's not just paying the highest salary. It's not just having the best benefits. It's not, you know, it's not having unlimited PTO. And then, you know, exactly, you know, you know exactly the kind of person and the kind of motivated driven person that is going to be super successful. And then guess what? Your business is successful.
1: Yep, it is um, It It can be that. Yes, sounds easy. It can be, can't it? I I know where I, I I tell you where I know I've gone wrong in the past is I think if you put mission first, which we talk to a lot of our clients about this and we tend to target companies that are like doing useful things that impact people because then you get the talent that want to do that. They want to come along for the ride and they feel good about the work. Then the money kind of follows. And as long as it, you know, it's not just money up front. You know, for the last ten years, if you were only about money, you'd go to like a Fang type right place if you get a job there. But even that's changed now. So it's like mission first, then like motivation and things that support a good living and outcomes, and obviously environment.
0: We had a really cool post from somebody earlier um, today on our community channel. It was I mentioned Charter Up in the Wild, so they 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 snapped a picture on site in Albany, New York, providing critical transportation for necessities like food and medicine to displace migrants. I mean, it's just like there there really is a mission behind what we're doing, right? For access to churches and, and mosques. And, you know, this person who was there and who happened to be on site and saw this was like, this is actually, this is why I came here. And This is why it, it really spoke to me. It's interesting. We have a lot of, we have people with like, really kind of spiritual backgrounds and, and who come from, you know, we have people who come from nonprofits. We have people who come from that, that really, really mission driven work. And, um, mm. you know, it's because get cars off the road, get cars off the road, charter a bus. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: you I come from London. It's like, I have to drive everywhere here in Texas, it drives me nuts sometimes. Like yeah. it's, it's fun at times. And then other times I'm like, I don't want to drive. I just want to sit on a train and, like, you know, read or whatever. But
0: drive a minivan like I do, then it's not fun to drive (laughs) anymore.
1: Yeah, just ferrying around. What? What's the like? What are we? We're we're almost, almost. We are way past time. Which I knew, I knew that we would be. What is the thing that you find so much more difficult than it needs to be when it comes to hiring, like wherever you go?
0: So much more difficult than it needs to be is I think, Oh, that's a, that's a really tough one. This, okay. Again, this is, this is going to sound like I'm making a pitch. I'm not making a pitch for charter up. I love charter up. I will make a pitch for charter up, but I think when you have the right process in place, when you, when you do the things that we've talked about and you, and, and, you know, you and, and your team is on board and your team is fully committed to finding the right, you know, candidates and find, finding the right people to keep building this business because we have crazy lofty goals right we need the right people to do that I used to just I used to say like how are you telling me this role is so critical and then you're canceling interviews five minutes before how are you telling me this Ooh. role is so critical and then you can't make a decision and I've handed you five amazing candidates and we'll tell you where this has happened my entire career but yep. but that I, I, I'm not encountering that here which is amazing Everyone I have mean, installed it. It really speaks to you know to, to the leadership and to the team that was here before me because it wasn't something that I had to had to change or had to you know wrangle and wrestle people to to make them do this the right way. So,
1: yeah, that helps. Just just we've just got like obviously got smart, driven, and efficient people that want to get things moving, and and then the incentives must be right as well. Um, I saw something recently. Where it was I'd never heard this, the phrase before. Is someone who said it was like, show me an incentive and I'll show you the action. Like I think that that's kind of like a big deal in the way we, the industry of technology and um, getting things done the right way. Cool. Well, look, if people want to, if any other people, folks want to geek out with you, how do they connect with you? Just LinkedIn? Well,
0: on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Good.
1: Well, yeah, that was very good fun, like very insightful. And I think you're like, you clearly have like a personal attachment to this whole mission of making people organizations better i think you know some people some people it's just very much like yeah this is just business and that's how we're operating it but i think you definitely like you geek out on it as you've told me before and i think that that comes through the thing you know you're obviously looking a step ahead at like where's industry now where does where does industry going and i think yeah, that that's a great thing that people need to be, be a bit more like. I think a lot of people in the industry are like, let's just do what everyone's doing. Like, let's not break the mold or be first to do something in case it backfires. So you'll you'll only get an edge from that. So look, thank you so much. I know you're incredibly busy. Appreciate you. you taking an hour out of your day to talk to us.
0: Always, always, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Breakout. If you want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to be the first to get notified when future episodes are released. If you like this show or want to share feedback, please leave a review so we can keep improving and share the word with other leaders in the tech talent space. If you have suggestions for topics we should cover, please feel free to reach out to either myself or Gareth.